So we're reviewing uh, a little bit more in depth the fourth verse of Shri Shri Sastikam. I want to read you a little bit here. Thus we find the four goals of humanity, Dharma, Artha, Karma, and Moksha, represented in this verse. These four values, the so-called Purusharthas, or human Purusha necessities, ideals, Artha, include the entire range of human activities as well as transcendence of the human experience. Guru Krishna and the Sadika, who has attained the stage of Ruchi, has no desire for any of them. All human activities are rooted in desire, desire to attain pleasure and desire to avoid pain. Human desire can be divided into three categories. First, the desire for sense pleasure, which, while never satisfying one, nonetheless drives one to pursue the same sensual experience again and again. Second, the desire for material acquisition, wealth, honor, power, security, and so on, which is progressive in that it does not mandate meaningless repetition, but rather the drive to realize consistently greater goals. Third, the desire for virtue, good character, righteousness, and so on, which is more progressive still and brings a sense of contentment and clear insight as to the nature of the world. These three kinds of desires are products of the influence of the three gunas of material nature, tamas, rajas, and sattva, manifesting in the human psyche. They are known respectively as kama, pleasure, artha, power, and dharma, virtue. All three of these involve the perceived necessity to be something, to be gratified, to be powerful, to be virtuous. So this is truly an elevated state of spiritual consciousness that's being referred to in the fourth verse of Sixosticum. To have actually developed a taste for spiritual enjoyment that supersedes our taste for these categories of enjoyment that Sri Chaitanya is mentioning in the verse. Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitramba Jagadisha Kamaye. So Artha, Dharma, Karma and Moksha. These are the four driving forces for in material existence. And specifically these are the drives for those that have come to the human form of life. The drives for those that have yet to come to the human form of life are they don't include uh, much more than the kama. Kama meaning enjoyment of the senses. So we see the animal animal life is basically completely sense-driven. Artha, Dharma, and Kama. Kama is sense gratification. We're very familiar with that. And as pointed out in this explanation of Saksastika, then we come to the next platform, which is uh, Artha. Artha is some some economic uh, development. Well, he actually put, uses a different word, which is quite nice. First, the desire to enjoy and, and avoid pain. And then material ac- acquisition. Wealth, honor, power, security, and so on. Artha goes beyond just the pay raise. It's, it's all those things which are the progressive values of material enjoyment, uh, whether it be a pay raise, wealth, honor in society, uh, power, security. All those fall under the, under the umbrella of uh, Artha. And then we go on to Dharma, Dharma, religiousness. So what, what comes under the category of religiousness? The desire for virtue, uh, uh, good character, uh, righteousness, and so on, which is even more progressive. So step by step, we're going progressively from just gross enjoyment of sensual gratification, seeing, hearing, smelling, to, to something beyond that where there is some, some advancement in life, 
some power, some recognition, some big bank balance, and then on beyond that to, to developing our character, to becoming a righteous person, a good person, a, a progressive person. So these basically are the progressive stages of, of our material involvement. Ultimately ending in what? What's the, what is that fourth desire of humanity? Perfection. Liberation. Perfection, yes. To, get out, to, to go beyond all those things, to be, go beyond the sense gratification, to go beyond the, the progress of Artha, to even go beyond virtuous activity, to actually be completely, uh, completely relieved from all material involvement. As I said, this, this stage of spiritual attainment is a very, is a very elevated stage. Root, some taste is there for a higher goal that exceeds satisfaction of the senses, exceeds the progressive goals of Artha, uh, wealth, power, fame, beauty, and even exceeds uh, righteousness, dharma, progress, progress of our of our own character and well-being. It even exceeds that on the material plane, and it even exceeds liberation, completely ending our whole involvement on the material plane. And of course, that liberation is is sought off sought after by most categories of, of spiritualists. They want that. They want to be free. This Nam Sankirtan movement exceeds all of that. When one comes to the stage of relishing their spiritual existence, then these four things fall away. Nadanam Najanam Nasundarim Kavitram Vajagadisha Kamai Mama Janmani Janmani Swaray. I don't even care if I'm reborn. It, that, the, anything that I experience on this plane of existence, it pales in comparison to the taste of spiritual enjoyment that one gets through Nam Sankirtan, through this chanting of the holy name of the Lord. This is our aspiration. Our aspiration, progressively, as Lord Chaitanya is outlining it here in Siksastika, after we've taken care of the preliminaries, the preliminaries means we have some knowledge of our spiritual self. After we have that much knowledge, and we decide we want to act on that platform of existence, that's the first stage of, of spiritual life. Let me act on the spiritual platform. Once we have the knowledge that that's in our best interest, and we begin to do that under superior guidance, gradually bad habits will naturally recede. It's not going to take a lot of effort on our part. If we put our effort into hearing, chanting, associating, taking prasadam, appreciating the deities, appreciating the devotees, appreciating scripture, the bad things will automatically go away. It's not a big struggle. Then there's the steadiness. When the steadiness comes, when the steadiness in spiritual practice comes, then, then we, truly, we truly become humble. We realize what, is, what, is that great, what that great aspiration is humbles us. How great it is to be in our own spiritual existence. And that's what Lord Chaitanya spoke of in the last verse. Just being steady in spiritual life, we naturally become humble. We naturally see our, our, what, what our great prospect is for spiritual advancement. And in seeing that great prospect for spiritual advancement, we naturally become humble. We naturally see ourselves as so much under the control of Krishna's energy. For, we can't even trace out how long this external energy is, has, has influenced our, our existence. But now Lord Chaitanya is 
speaking of a higher level than that humility. He's talking about a level where the steadiness in our practice begins to bear fruit. And the beginning of that fruit is taste, ruchi, a taste for the practices. And as we read last week, what was medicine now becomes sustenance. The chanting naturally draws us. We want to chant. We want to read. We want to partake of the association of devotees. We want to engage in devotional service. We want to do some sacrifice for Krishna's pleasure. And we get some spiritual reciprocation for that. That's perceivable to us. Prior to this stage, it's, it, it is there. But we are the Anarthas are covering us over to the extent that we don't realize and we don't directly perceive the spiritual benefit which is there by the practice of devotional service. It's there, even on the lower platform. Even, we, we don't, even when we don't recognize what's, what's the good fortune that we have from, from executing devotional practice, still, it is having an effect. And the analogy is there. The effect is just like if we're diseased and the doctor prescribes some medicine, if we take the medicine properly under his direction, the disease will abate. But it may not be instantaneous. It's not like you take the pill and then immediately we have to follow the prescription regularly. Like if you have some... Uh, I know that when you, you, you have some infection... You have to take the antibiotics for days, seven or ten days, three times a day, big, huge horse pills. And gradually, though, the infection will go away. Similarly, we're infected with our material disease. The infection is going away. This is an elevated platform that's being spoken of here in the fourth verse, is we're starting to feel the disease go away. And as the disease recedes, we start to actually directly perceive the benefit of our spiritual practice. And that direct perception of spiritual, of our spiritual, our true spiritual self begins to, it draws us on. It's taste, ruchi, some enjoyment. In the beginning, Maybe flickering. Once in a while, we'll get some little inkling of the of the benefit. We'll, we'll go and we'll we'll feel we'll truly feel humble from time to time. We'll truly feel moved by a kirtan or moved by something a speaker will say or something we read in the books. It will move us. It'll it'll touch us. The stage of ruchi is the touch is there and we can feel it all the time. Make sense? Any questions? Seems that sometimes it's easier to develop some, you know, some enjoyment in this material world than than be really genuinely humble. You know, just like like some gross sense gratification, you know, intoxication or whatever the, the the basic principles which we try to follow. It's much easier to to say to give up this than than just like really be be humble and, and see ourselves you know like from the previous verse and uh, in the mode of Trinada Pisa Nichina. Right. So the, the, uh, No frost prestige. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So uh, it seems that uh, you know you could say that it should be in opposite uh, how to say order that you know that it seemingly is easier to give up uh, many other things than really just be humble and see everyone as superior and then just be full of respects to others and at least you know in life we see that that's this is a different this is a different level we're talking about when we look when we look at practice when we look at our practice of spiritual life what you're speaking of I would refer to as religiosity in other words an effort is made on our part to to bring about, to, to change, to do something. It's an endeavor. We endeavor to, 
you said follow follow rules and regulations, religious script uh, doctrine stricture that 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 comes. Give up meat eating or give up give up some bad habit. Seems to like easier than becoming humble. In Sixastika, when we reach the third verse, Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu is talking about a, a true change of heart that comes about naturally once we reach reach the state of steady, steadiness, nista. And then in this verse, a stage beyond that. This is not something that we work for. This is something that naturally comes as a consequence of true spiritual advancement by the grace of the spiritual master. When we come to spiritual life, we always we sometimes think there's I there's some I can do something. Yes, what you can do is surrender. That's it. And that surrender, the spirit the spiritual master gives us some certain some certain ways that he'd like to see us surrender, following regulative principles and becoming humble. But becoming humble is not something that we can, it's a character trait. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a true, it's a trait of our true spiritual self. It comes naturally as anarthas, bad habits dissipate from engagement in the nine processes of devotional service. Shravanam Kirtanam. These are the things that purify our existence. Purifying our existence leads to the natural manifestation of our spiritual being. That natural manifestation first is first fully displayed in a true sense of humility. Our spiritual self comes out. It's not something that we endeavor for. It's something that is a consequence of our advancement in spiritual life. Do you see the difference? But I, I think that with, with this, it also happens uh, naturally. Yes. So, uh, so you need to tell me one more time the, the difference. The spiritual master may give you some direction. Get so many rounds. Uh, avoid these sinful activities, uh, especially the four pillars of sinful life. He gives us certain, according to your particular character, he may say, renounce or you be householder. Uh, I can see that you're a bookkeeper, do books. Uh, you're, you're a preacher, preach. You're a pajari, pajari. He sees something and he engages you in service. By that service, we become purified by following his instruction. If he told us, if he told us to go rob banks and we did it in a submissive mood, that that's also would be service. Whatever he says, we follow the spiritual master. Now, the good fortune is they generally don't go against against. But basically, even if it did, we follow. That's surrender. If there's false surrender, I mean, if he tells you to, you know, molest a child, doesn't mean you're going to go. I mean, there's well, that's not a spiritual master, Prabhu. That's where it's like, <laughs> you go rob a bank and you got this warning signs come up and telling you, you know. This guy's obviously there's something wrong here. Well, we have right. You're right. There are certain. We certainly know. We certainly see that. You we don't know, follow blindly. There's a difference. Just following and following blindly. You got to be careful. There is a stage of following blindly, and there's a stage prior to following blindly. Yes, you're right. Uh, so there should be time. I, mean, there's, I think there's time that one has to spend trying to understand this person that, that you surrender to. You get to put a great deal of time and effort and, and getting to know this. Like when you get into, into, into a marriage, you want to spend some time trying to get to know the person that you're going to marry. Spiritual master is really no difference. It's not a blind thing. You just accept. You've got to put the work. The work has to be put in before you make it. To find a bona fide spiritual master. Absolutely. And Absolutely. Not a person's bona fide, but he's compatible with you, you know, just because the person's bona fide might not necessarily make your relationship compatible. So the relationship, it has to, you have to find out if this relationship is compatible. And that takes work. 
Right. And you also, as, as you as you pointed out earlier, you also have to do that. You have to do. You have to make sure that he at least falls within the proper guidelines of Guru Sadhu. In other words, the prior sadhus and the scriptures. It's not like if he gives some, as you as you pointed out, that uh, you know to rob a bank or to go and molest a child or do some other crazy stuff. We could see that prior sadhus don't don't give such instructions. And scripture is directly in opposition to it. But still, the point of surrender is there. The point of surrender is, like Arjuna at the beginning of Bhagavad Gita, he, he, put, to get, he put forth good religious arguments as to why the battle was, should not be engaged in by him. They were religious objectives. But still, surrender entailed that he, he, he took the higher objective of following Krishna as the spiritual master. But the point Dhyavir is making, which is so good, is the fact that we have to, when we seek out that person to whom we are going to take, from whom we're going to take spiritual directive and accept as a spiritual master, uh, there has to be a uh, significant testing on our part, both for the fact of Guru Sadhu and Sastra and also from the fact of compatibility to our, to our nature that we have full faith that he has the ability to personally assist me in my spiritual growth. That's, that's the seeking and, and finding of a spiritual master. So back to the point. The point is that I'm trying to make is these natural character characteristics of one's spiritual character will manifest as, spirit, as spiritual advancement as we make spiritual advancement. We don't have to endeavor to become humble. It'll be a natural consequence of understanding our true spiritual position and the what's out there for our, our attainment in the, in the spiritual no, realm. I, I understand that. Uh, you know, my you know, perception is that when you follow the process, that is much, you know, when, when you start from, you know, just coming first time and, and you know, gradually getting introduced to Krishna consciousness and engage yourself, that is much easier to give up all those, you know, bad, you know, activities than, than really be, be humble. And from this perspective, I'm just saying that, well, you know, to being humble actually is before, before this stage which we are discussing right now about yes. giving up. And that's, uh, that's, that's, you know, why I'm saying that it seems... But this is complete. This is... This is absolute. This fourth verse is speaking of absolute cessation of everything that has kept us on the material plane. Absolute. This is not some, let me give up something. Let me go to the woods and renounce. Let me leave my family and just study scripture and, and take the renounced order of life. Uh, let me no longer desire, uh, you know, to have elevation to, to in any way, any in any way whatsoever. Uh, these are, as I said, these are very high spiritual spiritual qualities of renunciation, far exceeding what we see in the material world as a renu uh, uh, as renouncing. There's no desire. Just like when we re if we read Srila Rupa Goswami's instructions in the Upadesha Amrita, Nectar of Instruction, regarding what is an Uttama Adhikari, the topmost level of devotee, one of the characteristics that he mentions is they're devoid of the propensity to criticize others. It's not that they, well, I can't criticize anybody. I can't even think wrongly of anybody. It's gone. The propensity to even do it has left their heart. That anartha has completely dissipated. That's what Sri Shaitanya is speaking of in this fourth verse. I have no desire to accumulate wealth or for followers or for women or for liberal. I have no desire. It's, high, it's higher than just saying I can't desire, 
They're gone. Yes, ma'am. Yeah, I was just, something came into my mind um, concerning this topic. Um, like when somebody um, experiences uh, like a near death or something, something really catastrophic in their life. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people get to this point where they don't see, they're just like, it's like from one minute, one minute you're in this whole realm of, you know, trying to get things done. Right. All this and, you know, putting things, ducks in a row. And then next minute you're ripped out of that. And then you're just completely ripped out of that and it's like nothing, nothing exists. Yeah. I, I experienced that when my mother died. I was in the sixth grade and all of a sudden... Somebody shows up at the door of the door of the classroom and, you know, talks to the teacher and then it's Dale, uh, you need to go to the principal's office. One minute I'm in a classroom with all the students on an equal basis studying and, you know, doing whatever you do. The next minute there's a whisper to the teacher's ear and Dale, you need to go to the and from that moment, for the next three days, I'm in a different place. All of a sudden, you need to go home. Why do I need to go home? Uh, there's somebody here to take you home. I have my bike outside. I'll just ride my bike. No, you need to go with them. I don't know who they are. No, they'll take you home. And then you're at home, and then there's people standing around. You're All of a sudden, it's like, and then a family member comes over. The uncle comes over and says, uh, your mother's died. Yeah, right, sure. Like that happens. Like your mother just dies. That doesn't happen. It doesn't happen to me. And immediately there's a reaction. You're pulled from, yes. We've all had that at a certain time. Certain something or other happens like that. That's the feeling I get when you talk about it. Talk yeah, about yeah, when you talk about the different the levels, being pulled out, being yes, pulled away from everything that's that's you know going on. Hmm. You know? That's an interesting comparison. Yes, thanks. I have a question. A couple of questions. Um, you said this fourth verse corresponds with Ruchi. Yes. Okay, and so what was the third? And Arkham and Ruchi. Yes. Okay, and well, um, no, Nista. I'm sorry. Oh. Steadiness was yes. the third verse. Yes. Um, okay, I haven't memorized all the things yet, but um, so next question is: uh, Riches is Artha. Mm-hmm. Okay, followers is is that Dharma? Dharma. Dharma. Okay, beautiful women is uh, Kava. And then Kavitam, fruitive activities described in flowery language. Now, where does that fit into the translation? Where does it fit in? Yeah, I mean, well, all of these things, artha, dharma, and karma, are are what the those are the fruits that are given in the Veda. We're given we're given through the direction of Veda access to those to those things. We're given direction how to. How to enjoy the senses. Oh, okay, in the Veda. Right. right. Okay. So that's what's being referred to there in those. So the fruitive activities. All are, those are fruitive activities. Uh, okay, so that just describes all three of the first items. And, yes. Uh, so I don't want fruitive activities. I know, so the translation is saying I no longer want fruitive activities described in the language. Yes. These things, Artha, Dharma, and Karma, they no longer have any, no, I have no interest in that. It's fallen away. And then moksha. And they don't, I mean, it doesn't specifically say moksha, but it's implied. Birth after birth. Birth after birth means, uh-huh. I'm willing to take birth after birth. That doesn't, I. So he wants moksha, wants liberation from the cycle of death? Yes. But a devotee on this platform, that doesn't even attract him. Right. I mean, we're trying to go to the, back to God into the spiritual world, but at the same time, we will accept rebirth in the material world as long as we can serve Lord Krishna. It's not really like that. It's not really like no. that. No. What it's like is my enjoyment in serving Krishna is to such a high degree, here or there, 
the love is all I all I feel is my loving exchange with Krishna. Here or there is not is inconsequential whether I'm in this body or not. And and the the great sages they they exemplify that. Hari Thakur was beaten in what? How many? Twenty one. You know, Prahlad Maharaj thrown from mountains. You know, put in pits with snakes. Uh, Serve poison. Those material things just had no effect. The ruchi, the taste of spiritual existence, becomes so intense. And we'll, as we go through these verses, it, the intensity is is increased. Becomes so significant to us that wherever Krishna wants us, that's fine. Mm-hmm. I mean, Prabhupada when he came to the United States, I don't know why you brought me here. I have no idea. But I'm here to serve you. I'm your puppet. If you want me to dance, you make me dance. They're that content in their spiritual life, in their spiritual activities. That level of contentment. That they don't even care, here or there. We say we want to go back to Godhead. Back to Godhead means we're with Krishna. Well, we're with Krishna if we're serving him at 10%. If you serve Krishna at 10%, you are back to Godhead. Mm-hmm. Bhaktivinoda Thakur said, I look at my house and I see Vaikuntha. He's here on this plane, but everything he does from the moment he gets up, everything, every single thing he does is service to Krishna. He doesn't need to go anywhere. He's already in Vaikuntha. What's Vaikuntha mean? Free of anxieties. Anxieties only come about when we're trying to take, when we're just serving, when we're just loving, when everything is about that. By Kunta hell, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Send me up, send me down. As long as I'm serving Krishna, I don't care what the environment has to offer. The environment is nothing to me. Krishna is everything to me. Make sense? Mm Mm-hmm. And Jesus said the kingdom of God is at hand. That's the same principle. The kingdom of God is at hand. Uh, Are you you satisfied yet? Yeah. Hmm? I am. Okay. As long as you're satisfied, then we'll move on. Huh? It's kind of it. All right, so we're going to take a little bit of a different approach. First of all, I, I did not, I did not point any one thing out last week that I wanted to, and I'm going to open with that closing of the Bhagavad Gita. Remember, at the close of Bhagavad Gita, we talked about those those benedictions that Krishna was willing to give us for giving this knowledge of Bhagavad Gita to others. What I didn't do at the end of last week is I didn't put a plug in. For some of us don't have the, the inclination, we may not have the inclination, we may not have the self-confidence, and we may, and our, and our activities may be such that it just will not, it's not possible for us to go out and actively pursue giving people the knowledge of Bhagavad Gita. But but we still want to get that benediction. So I've set up an organization. It's called Benediction Moon. So, if you don't have the inclination or the facility right now to go out and give people Bhagavad Gita, I have a whole group, a huge group of people that will do that work for us. And if we give them the tools to do it, we'll receive the same benefit. Same benefit as them personally going out and giving Bhagavad Gita to others. We will get the same benefit by giving them facility to do that. So if you go to benediction.com, benedictionmoon.com, you can check it out. And then we can get that benediction of becoming the most dear to Krishna. The most dear to Krishna is that person who gives this knowledge of Bhagavad Gita. Okay, on to Bhagavad Gita as it is, again. (laughs) Again. So first of all, I came across, it's just amazing what's there in the Bhagavatam. 
Came across a verse I wanted to share with, with you, Prabhupada's purport to this verse. It's in the seventh canto. Happens to be the canto of Bhagavatam I'm reading right now. Shinvan Bhagavato Bhikshmam Avatara Kathamritam Shradhano Yathakalam Upasanta Janavrita. Translation A Gridhastra must associate again and again with saintly persons. And with great respect he must hear the nectar of the activities of the Supreme Lord and his incarnations, as these activities are described in Srimad Bhagavatam and other Puranas. Thus one should gradually become detached from affection for his wife and children, exactly like a man awakening from a dream. Prabhupada's purport here is just phenomenal. First of all, and this is, this is this is amazing news. Prabhupada begins this purport as thus. The Krishna consciousness movement has been established to give Gridhastras all over the world an opportunity to hear Srimad Bhagavatam and Bhagavad Gita specifically. The process, as described in many ways, is one of hearing and chanting. Srinvata Swakatha Krishna Punya Shravana Kirtana. Everyone, especially the Gurdhastras, who are Muda D, ignorant about the goal of life, should be given opportunities to hear about Krishna simply by hearing, by attending lectures in the different centers of the Krishna consciousness movement where topics of Krishna from Bhagavad Gita and Srimad Bhagavatam are discussed they will be purified of their sinful inclination for constant indulgence in illicit sex, meat-eating, intoxication, and gambling, which have all become prominent in modern days. So we can see it's, it's a natural consequence of just hearing. And what I wanted to read to you is in specific, specifically in regards to the next paragraph of this purport, specifically in regards to this hearing of Bhagavad Gita, because Prabhupada talks directly about it. So I'll read this paragraph. Another specific description here is Srinvan Bhagavato Bhikshnam Avatara Kathamritam. It is not that because one has once finished Bhagavad Gita, he should not hear it again. The word Abhikshnam is very important. We should hear again and again. There is no question of stopping. Even if one has read these topics many times, he should go on hearing again and again because Bhagavat Katha, the words spoken by Krishna and spoken by Krishna's devotees about Krishna are Amrita, nectar. The more one drinks this Amritam, the more he advances in his eternal life. A little bit of a justification for our diving again into Bhagavad Gita. Generally when I begin Bhagavad Gita I just go to the first chapter and start. But this time we're going to start by analyzing the introduction of Bhagavad Gita as presented by A.C. Bhaktivedanta Swami. Uh, this is going to take us a few weeks. Uh, but I encourage all of you to first and foremost this time around follow the process that we've discussed. Read daily of what we're going to study the next week. It shouldn't take you 10 or 15 minutes a day. Read the verses. We generally cover 10 verses. Read those verses once we get up to verses. Now you'll see we're going through the introduction Read a few pages of the introduction. Read a page, 10 or 15 minutes a day, and go on. We should cover that much next time we come to meet here. Uh, I think the introduction is close to 40. I encourage you to do, do that this time around. Actually, take time to read Bhagavad Gita, you know, Bhagavad Gita daily. And specifically, if we do that, when you come and when we discuss Bhagavad Gita, I, I think the... Uh, you'll find the classes to be a lot more uh, interesting. We'll begin with Prabhupada's preface. 
And if we, re- I'll just go over quickly the main points of uh, the preface. First, Prabhupada makes the point of explaining to the readers, ourselves, what is the authority by which he is presenting this great literature. He's not just any author. He's coming with some authority. His authority is the Guru Parampara. And therefore, this edition of Bhagavad Gita that you have in hand and you are now reading is not like just another translation of the text into the English language. And because it is coming in pure disciplic succession, You you can rest assured that it will have some spiritual significance. Uh, It must be accepted in the parampara, and he also speaks in the in the preface about the fact that human life means to go beyond taking and to take up serving. In life, we generally We're always taking. That is the way of this world. And Bhagavad Gita speaks about a life of service. Uh, We must service means that we must satisfy the senses of Krishna. And in doing that, then we'll be fully satisfied. And then at the end of the preface, he he speaks in a very humble manner. His whole attempt, and imagine how much time. He spent taking Bhagavad Gita and translating it into English and then writing these elaborate purports based on the knowledge he's gained from a lifetime of studying, you know, Shastra, Scripture, and, and practicing devotional life. And then, at the end, he speaks very humbly. All that effort, my whole effort in devotional life up to this point, in presenting this literature Bhagavad Gita to humanity will be a complete success if one person becomes Krishna's devotee. Pure devotee. Becoming a devotee will take you to being pure devotee. That's the nature of Krishna's devotees. That they are willing to sacrifice all their spiritual energy for the benefit of one one person taking to the practice of devotional life and perfecting their existence. And a person of such high spiritual standard, when someone comes to that high spiritual standard, they're qualified themselves to deliver the whole universe. That's what's meant by Jagat Guru. But they're content to to deliver one person back to Krishna's lotus feet. So the introduction. Prabhupada begins his introduction by offering, what is it, Mangala Charana? Auspicious prayers. So he begins, just like generally when we give class, we also say, Swayam Rupa Kadamayam, Dadati Swa, Padanti Kam, Vandeham, Shi Guru, Shi Yuta, Parakamalam, Shi Guru, Vaishnavamscha, Shi Rupam, Sagrajatam, Sahagana, Raghunatha, Vitam Tam, Shijevam, Sadvetam, Sabadutam, Parijana, Sahitam, Krishna, Shaitanya Devam, Shi Radha Krishna Padan, Sahagana, Lalita, Shah, Vishaka, Vitamscha. Hey Krishna Karana Sindhu, Dina Bandhu Jagatpate, Gopi Sa Gopika Kanta, Radha Kanta Namostute, Tapta Kanchana Gorange, Rade Vrindavane Swade, Rishabhanu Sute Devi Pranamani Hare Priye, Banchakapa Truvyascha, Kripa Sindhu Vya Evacha, Patita Nam Pavanebyo, Vaishnavejo Namurunamaha, Shri Krishna Shaitanya Prabhu Nichananda Shri Advaita Gadadhar Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda 
Hare Krishna, Hare Krishna, Krishna Krishna, Hare Hare, Hare Rama, Hare Rama, Rama Rama, Hare Hare. So I encourage you all to read the trans- English translations to these verses. They're very, uh, very instructive to us of, of the nature of our appreciation of Krishna and his associates and uh, Sri Chaitanya and his associates and the whole community of devotees and specifically Te Krishna Karna Sindhu and Tapta Kanchana Gaurangis uh, speak to the exalted position of uh, uh, Krishna's most intimate uh, and highest of servitors, the gopis, and specifically the love of Srimati Radharani. Going on to Bhagavad Gita, also known as the Gita Upanishad, Prabhupada begins by explaining the fact that this is the proper medicine for our spiritual well-being. It's, it's that medicine by which we can eliminate, eliminate all of uh, the material disease. The material disease. I mean, we have, to, we have to first of all recognize that we have a disease. If you don't recognize you have a disease, you won't go and try to find a physician. <laughs> so first of all, you have to see that you're diseased. That in and of itself is a very, very high qualification. So as, as Prabhupada goes on in his introduction, he explains the, the, the characteristics of recognizing the fact that, that our material existence is, is not mo- the most conducive for our pleasure as a, as a spiritual being. Just like if you if you have some disease, if you don't if you don't recognize you have it, then it will become a chronic illness. Once it becomes to that stage, it becomes very difficult to cure, and it generally leads to catastrophe. This Krishna consciousness movement is simply to bring us to the platform of recogn- first recognizing that there's something wrong. Prabhupada speaks about the understanding of Tato Brahma Jignasa. That begin that when you come to that stage of inquiring as to your true spiritual being, Tato Brahma Jignasa, that's when human life begins. Prior to that, there's not a lot of difference between the existence of those in the human form and the lower species of life. They may have, human form may have higher intelligence and more ability, but, I mean, Bhagavat speaks to the fact that, uh, I forget the verses, they're very nice, but something like that, do, don't the animals in the forest also lay down? Aren't they also comfortable? Don't they also, you know, engage in their loving affairs with their mates? Don't they also eat what's pleasing to their tongues? So if in human life we simply do those same activities, sleep comfortably, eat things that we enjoy, mate, defend ourselves from aggressors, if we simply live our existence like that, that's already there in the animal form. So what's the difference between our existence and that of the animal? unless we come to a higher standard. Let's see, I just take some notes here. Bhagavad Gita establishes, and Prabhupada uses a unique phrase in the introduction, Krishna, in speaking to Arjuna, establishes a new parampara. In other words, the knowledge of the Gita had actually been broken. Human society was not receiving this knowledge, and therefore, Krishna spoke it again to Arjuna. He selected Arjuna because of three characteristics Prabhupada brings out in the introduction. Three characteristics. First, he was Krishna's devotee. Second, he was a direct student. Now that's significant. A direct student. In other words, he's hearing directly from Krishna. Similarly, those that seek spiritual advancement in life, and I'm sure, sure you've come across it, or maybe even in your own pursuit, you've, you've had these 
this consciousness that by my own endeavor, I can read the books, I can take up the practice, and I can attain the goal of advancing in my spiritual pursuit. Prabhupada points out that one of Arjuna's qualifications is he was a direct student. He wasn't taking book knowledge. He was directly hearing from Krishna. He was a direct student and that was one of his qualifications. That is a qualification for advancing in spiritual life that we must recognize. One must take information directly, directly from Krishna to advance in spiritual life. Wait, where's Krishna? Anybody see him? Where can I find this Krishna to take spiritual direction from? That's okay, this isn't direct though. These are passive agents, passive agent. Book, scripture is passive. Deity, also passive agent. It is Krishna himself. Do you talk to him? Does he talk to you? It's not the Krishna that you can actually talk to. I mean, yes, he is. If you're pure enough. the Krishna that's actually going to... No, he's not. So where do we find that Krishna who's going to be that direct? Direct student. We can come by direct student. How does Krishna manifest himself to us so that we can advance spiritually? The spiritual master. Yes. Spiritual master. What is a spiritual master called? Gurudev. Right. In relationship with Krishna? His devotee. He is his devotee. He is, he is the manifestation. Of Krishna. He is the external manifestation of Krishna. Yes. That's how we accept the spiritual master. As good as God. The supreme personality of servitor, servitor Godhead. That makes sense. He's the perfect servitor of Krishna, and therefore, in having that position, he's competent to give us this direct connection. Third qualification Arjuna had to take this knowledge, to become that reciprocant. An intimate friendship with Krishna. And Prabhupada speaks in the introduction about the fact that all students need to have these qualifications. We need to be devotees. We need a bona fide spiritual master. And if Krishna is not around and you can't talk to him face to face, then find his representative because he can talk to you face to face, direct, that's guru. And to be in friendship with Krishna. Not to be an antagonist. That makes sense? We can't come in a in a we have to we have to not only be Krishna's devotee, but we also need to develop our loving relationship with Krishna in order to fully take on this knowledge. Prabhupada goes on from there to explain that relationship with Krishna. He does that at the top of the fifth page. He explains that we all have a relationship with Krishna in one of five primary relationships. One is a devotee passively, one is a devotee actively, one is a friend, one is as a parent, and one is a conjugal lover. Lover. This relationship with Krishna, even though not fully manifest yet in ourselves as a student under the guidance of the bonafide spiritual master, as soon as the connection with the guru is made, that original position we begin uh, we we by initiation by the bona fide spiritual master we 
start down the path to having our original position revealed to us. We begin to take the measure, and the measure is Shravanam Kirtanam Vishnu Smaranam Padasevanam. We begin to serve Krishna. In beginning that service to Krishna, one of these five relationships with him will naturally begin to manifest itself in our heart. In the beginning, it's not going to be it's not going to be experienceable. Just like the medicine when you first take it, the experience is not there immediately that that the infection is is going away. But eventually you keep taking and the affection does abate. And the true healthy condition will naturally manifest again in the body. Similarly, as we take the medicine under the direction of the guru, the Krishna, this, who's giving us the spiritual knowledge, and we become healthy again, this relationship will become self-evident in the heart. So, the reason I'm making this point is, once we take to this hearing of Krishna Katha, this study of Bhagavad Gita, under the direct relationship with the Guru, whether it be Krishna, or in our condition, we are taking, Krishna is not here, personally, we are taking direction from his bona fide representative, the spiritual master. As soon as that process begins, that friendship, or passive, or active, or parental, or conjugal relationship is also coming. So it's not like we are not, we do not have that qualification. You understand? The qualification is there. Nichasiddha Krishna Prema. Our eternal position is we're a lover of Krishna in one of these five ways. Once we start to take the knowledge under the direction of the spiritual master, which is the medicine to purify us, ourselves of this material disease, automatically our natural position is manifesting. And that means the third qualification even though we may not be fully aware of it or realized of it at this stage, is also there in our practice. So these three things, Prabhupada makes the point, these, thing, these three things are, are necessary for us as a student. And I wanted to point out that the third item, which you may think I don't have a fr friend, friendly relationship with Krishna yet, you do. You have a relationship with Krishna in one of five primary re rasas. You have it. It just hasn't yet manifest. But it's there. Does that make sense? Any questions? Do, I have a question. Um, I, I think we've talked about this before. In different, um, in different lifetimes, do we always have that same particular rasa? Or yes. does it change from body to body? No. It's eternal. Mm -hmm. And I've really never understood how to be, you know, what it means that one can be a devotee in a passive state. I know we've talked about that. I just don't know. Yeah, neither have I. Neutrality? <laughs> uh, that's a good thing that you don't understand that. Like you have to understand that we're coming in the line of we're all Rupanugas. We're followers of the he is he is our commander in chief. <laughs> our position under his direction, our aspiration under his direction is for relationship with direct directly with Krishna in his most intimate uh, abode. That surpasses even a relationship of awe and reverence in Vaikutha. Uh, not to get into these esoteric points, but 
This is a very exalted benediction available by the mercy of Sri Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. Uh, so we should relish that. It's a benediction to be in a passive state or neutral. No, it's a benediction to be coming in the wake of Sri Chaitanya's advent and being under the under the personal care of in our practice of Srila Rupa Goswami. He is our deliverer guru. More than that is, is very esoteric, but it's we our relation our aspiration under his direction is to have a relationship in in one of the modes of Vraja. And those modes are generally friendship. There are of these five modes. Three. Oh. The top three. Friendship, conjugal honor, and parents. Yes. But there is also neutrality. There is neutrality. And, uh, uh, you know, like trees and, uh, how to say, they, they are also, you know, it is present in the, in the spiritual world, but uh, under under guidance of Rupa Goswami, we don't, we don't get much opportunity, or hopefully we'll be engaged in different He's giving us a higher aspect. His this Guru Parampara, this this is giving. They give us a higher aspiration. But we will be completely satisfied no matter what our relationship with Krishna is. That that is a fact. We will be completely satisfied no matter what it is, even if it is one of neutrality, passive neutrality. Whatever that is. <laughs> that's like, you know, that's like you're not even at the stage of... The service is very passive. The second stage is service. Prior to that is just a, a appreciation. That's passive. Appre just appreciation. Appreciation even free of service. Just that you're appreciating Krishna. Then you come to the platform of doing some service. It seems like an undeveloped state. I mean, like, that it's a, you know, <laughs> it's a place to begin, but not... End. Not one to end. <laughs> we must be careful not to try to apply our material yeah. intellect to these, right. these matters of, of transcendence. Okay. Uh, it's like ice cream. Everything's like food, right? I mean, some person likes vanilla and some people like Rocky Road. It's one person's fully satisfied with vanilla ice cream. Like, that's just what they love, is vanilla ice cream. And some people just really love Rocky Road. Of course, not like meat marshmallows, but... You know, so some people just really love that mellow of Krishna, even though it might to us seem plain or unembellished. We apply our material intellect to understanding these things. I think that's that's our fault. That's our but my understanding is uh, we have a pretty exalted uh, we have exalted, exalted teachers who are trying to take us to a specific destination under their guidance. And that destination is, is of a very high nature. More than that, I can't speak. It's late. Thank you very much. Any questions? <laughs> we can't jump artificially to, to that. We did, that is something that we have to guard against. As we progress in spiritual life, the holy name alone, the holy name in and of itself will reveal our our true spiritual relationship with Krishna. And we'll be fully content in that relationship. It's not something to be had from some external source. Mm. The Paraparas kind of changed the approach to that. There was a time when the guru would actually tell you what your spiritual position was. I was wondering about that. Yeah, the, that is, 
That that ceased uh, after uh, Bhakti Vinod's back order. Does, this, does the guru have the, uh, does the guru know what your position is generally? Well, I, I asked No, we're the service. The service to Krishna is serving Krishna as his parent, as his parent. like Nanda Maharaj, Mother Yasoda, the elder Gopas and Gopis in Vrindavan are all serving Krishna in that capacity, in that mellow that relationship, looking out for him, caring for him, correcting him, making sure he grows up to be a good boy. <laughs> feeding him clothing him we'll stop there thank you so much